going on everybody we're back for another episode of the binge boys podcast i'm your host logan and today we've got a very special guest in the building to join me to talk about ghostbusters but before we get to him let me lead off with the programming notes that you all have come to know and love so if you're joining us for the first time welcome if you're a long time listener welcome back happy to have you here today uh, if this is your first time however let me give you the rundown so each tuesday my co-hosts Matt and Tanner and I break down the hottest in today's TV and movies. What's going on? What's hot right now? Every Thursday, we have an episode of the show entitled The Run-Through, which is kind of a spin-off situation. It's what we're here doing today. And on these episodes, I am joined by either Matt or Tanner or a co-host in general that has uh, the want or the need to dive into a particular movie or TV series and kind of break it down, see what aged well. Uh, you know, most of the movies on the run through are movies of the past uh, because the Binge Boys wasn't around at the time that these movies launched. So it kind of gives us a reason to go back and either watch movies for the first time or uh, to revisit some of our favorites. Uh, first things first, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Binge Boys Pod. That's where you get the reviews, the announcements. The posters, the trailers, whatever drops, it's there. Uh, and then, of course, if you're on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen, just make sure you're following along so that you are in the loop. And when episodes drop, that's it. And just tell a friend in need. That's all I need from you. So, everybody, joining me today to talk about Ghostbusters is a podcasting veteran, uh, his name is David Ruff. He is the co-founder of Wash Media, and as well as he hosts Circling Back and Too Much Dip. Welcome, David. Hello, Logan. Were the other two? They were just kind of scared to pod with me. What's up with that? <laughs> Tanner, uh, Tanner, and Matt's uh, schedules aren't as uh, laid back as I as mine, so uh, they are working right now. Okay, I, that's fine. If they want to dodge me, that's fine. I won't take it personally, and I'll definitely forget about it. Um, thank you for having me on. I'm always happy to talk Ghostbusters at any moment, no matter what the situation. So let's uh, let's get into it. By the way, have you uh, sent that tree, that Christmas tree behind you, to uh, Dylan yet to rate? Because I don't I, know if it out well for you. I very much so have not sent it to Dylan yet because I'm afraid <laughs> that he's going to totally, totally butcher it. Um, our tree topper is just trash, uh, and I have a feeling <laughs> that's going to take two points or at least three points off. It was like $10 at Target. I'm exposing myself. But, hey, when you're young and you don't have all of the money in the world, you know that $10 topper is what you got. I think it works, man. Yeah, man. We we did take a page out of the Will Freeze book, and every ornament on our tree, with the exception of a couple filler ornaments that you got to have, uh, is a life event or a vacation we took or or something uh, meaningful rather than just, you know, your makeshift whatever ornaments that you find at Target or Walmart. That's good. That, that's good. You're well on your way. That's a good tree. That's a good tree. It's working for you, and I applaud you. <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, I know Matt really wishes he could be here. Matt and I actually met um, because I had a co-host – 
uh, in the past, and he went on to pers- pursue some entrepreneurial stuff, and he didn't have the capacity to do Binge Boys anymore. And me and Matt met uh, because we're both longtime backers. Um, and when I told him that I was going to record with you today, he was absolutely floored um, and just jealous out of his mind. So it means a lot to him and I that you uh, that are that you're jumping on. You uh, you're, you're the reason why we do this, man. Well, that's very nice, but I got to tell you, man, Matt, you missed your chance. You blew it, bud. You're dead. Matt, to me. Matt actually, um, Matt, yeah, Matt's Matt, Matt's so jealous. But you know what? Hey, he he missed his chance. Maybe if maybe one day if we get Dorn or or Will or whoever else wants to jump on, uh, maybe he'll get that opportunity. But not Dave. We can do the sequel if you want to. If this goes well. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a plan. So, everybody, Dave said it. We're talking about Ghostbusters. I'll give everybody some general information about the movie, uh, and then we'll just kind of dive in. So, Ghostbusters was released on June 8th, 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman, starring Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Raymond Stans, the late Harold Ramis as Egon Spengler, Ernie Hudson as Winston Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, the list goes on and on. If for some reason you're unfamiliar, uh, after the members of a team of scientists uh, lose their cushiony positions at a university in New York City, they decide to become the Ghostbusters to wage a high-tech battle with the supernatural to make ends meet. They stumble upon the gateway to another dimension, a doorway that will release evil upon the city. The Ghostbusters must now save New York for complete destruction. That's where we're at, Dave. That's 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 the synopsis. That, that's what I remember. <laughs> um, Money-wise, the budget for this movie was around $30 million to make, which was a lot of money in 1984. Uh, opening weekend, it made $13.6 million, kind of an underwhelming launch for the star power that was in this movie. Uh, but its all-time box office run earned them just shy of $300 million at 296.6. So very successful. And it spawned a number of kids shows, video games, and sequels. We'll get into the sequels later. Lastly, Rotten Tomatoes wise, the critics, Dave, do you, do you want to take a guess here at what do you think the critic score and the audience score for Ghostbusters is? Um, Sure. And this is on a one to 100 percentage scale. That's correct. Critic. Critics, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess 49%. Uh, audience, I'm going to say 78%. Okay, okay. Uh, critics uh, gave this movie a certified fresh 97%. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whoa. They got one um, right. Absolutely. And then the audience gave it close to you around 88%. So... With that said, over here at the Binge Boys, we go things on a letter grade scale. Personally, this is an A for me. I love this movie. Absolutely. I'd forgotten how much I loved it um, until I watched it the other night to prepare for this. And I was like, man, this movie just absolutely rocks. What? Where does the uh, where does Ghostbusters rank in uh, in that letter grade scale for you? Um, no hyperbole. It is it is probably across all genres, my favorite movie of all time. It is an A, and I would say A+, plus, but that's cheesy. And, um, yeah, dude, you're talking to a guy who had Ghostbusters uh, Ghostbusters comforter on his uh, bed growing up from the cartoon. So Wow. Yeah, I, I've seen this movie more than any movie. It is a part – it is 
Bill Murray is my was my personality is part of my personality and it's just my favorite thing. Wow. So uh, my next follow-up question was going to be what does this movie mean to you but I think I got a pretty Everything. good gist of it. Everything. <laughs> the fucking world. <laughs> I love that, man. What do you think we can just sp- go right into uh sequel talk because that's a heavy um it's a heavy subject right now. Sequel talk. What do you think? Where does Ghostbusters 2 sit for you? Um, a good, I, th- <laughs> I think it's a good sequel. I mean, it's, you're basically taking the, it's the same formula. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I know a lot of, I'm sure that one got panned by critics as, as many sequels do. And, you know, if I was, if I was an adult at the time, I would probably be asking why we don't, we don't need a sequel to this, but, I think it works. Now, I have not seen any of the the modern uh, adaptations. I, I want to see. I've not seen the female cast one, and I've not seen Afterlife. Although I do, I did attempt to stream Afterlife, but it turns out you have to get off your ass and go to a theater to see it. Um, to my knowledge, and I just I wasn't really willing to do that as I have a ten month old child at home. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um, I do not, as of right now, have a ten month year old child at home. Year old, month old, ten month old child at home. So I managed to get out to the theaters and check out Afterlife, and it's it's the greatest thing since the original. Um, it even, in my wow. opinion, beats the sequel. Um, it's very good. Of course, directed by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan. Um, no spoilers or anything, but there are many nostalgic things in this movie that contribute to its... Uh, just the absolute joy ride it is. Paul Rudd does amazing. The new cast of kids that play, I guess, the next generation of Ghostbusters, if they continue it, are amazing as well. Um, they just they just really hit the nail on the head, man. I, I would highly recommend when you are in a safe position to do so to get out and see it. It's it's fantastic. That's high praise. Um, I'd seen some mixed reviews on it, but I it looked it looked like a good self-aware um adaptation of it so I, i'm definitely in i ended up going to see it actually with my mom who like you is a fantastic huge ghostbusters fan and she pointed out that i hadn't even noticed that a lot of the people in our theater definitely saw the original in theaters when it came out they were wearing ghostbusters shirts they were they were fans of the movie i did see it opening night and um the audience was clapping and laughing and cheering for different moments on screen. It was a, just a, an amazing theater experience too. Um, but after seeing that those most of the people in the theater were those fans of the original, seeing them as excited as they were, uh, it made it made me think like, okay, this is this is as good as I think it is. When I go see it, I'll wear my proton pack. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to let you in with that. They'll have no choice. <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, upon uh, upon watching this movie uh, and thinking about, so it came out in 1984. Where does it sit with you on how it aged uh, to the 2021 audience? If you're showing this to a 15 year old for the first time or a 16 year old, what do you think they're going? Their immediate reactions are going to be to this movie. Um, they will take issue with the special effects because that's okay. just something the the youth of America does. That being said, I think the humor holds up. 
Um, there's always a place for dry, witty, sarcasm, some absurdity. And there's nothing in it that there's nothing in it. I don't think unless I'm missing something obvious that um, makes you cringe a little bit, you know, like, oh, can't get away with that now. Like there, there's not a lot of that, which which is interesting because of the, the cast that's in it. Uh, Harold Ramis, um, you know, famously with some of the stuff in Caddyshack didn't age particularly well, but it's just, um, you know, I, I think I think they would enjoy it. Will or Dylan has not seen it or hadn't seen it, and I was hesitant to have them watch it and tell me about it because I just I wouldn't be able to forgive them if they didn't like it. But um, yeah, I, I think the only gripe people would have would be the special effects because everything else holds up. The acting is great. The cast is fantastic. Um, it's just awesome. It is. It is. And I'm I'm looking here at a uh, article from Screen Rant of the ten things that did not age well about Ghostbusters. And some of them are cheap. They just they definitely threw in some just to make it a top, top 10 list. But um, there's a few comments about the scene between uh, Ray and the ghost that unzips his pants in the middle of the night. Um, there's people that apparently think that's, uh, that that's weird. Um, there's uh, huh. a lot of comments of uh, Peter Venkman's behavior towards Dana about how he's very pushy. Ooh. Very fair. Very fair. And that's an oversight on my part. Yeah, he's a he's a little persistent in the apartment scene. Um, but <laughs> sure. That's that is a very that's warranted. The 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 ray, the ghost scene, I'm trying to remember at what point I realized what exactly was happening there. Cause you know, I saw the movie. The movie came out the year I was born. And I probably saw it when I was five. Um, and then, you know, it was probably well into high school, I realized, oh, that's actually okay. Now I understand yep. completely what's happening here. Um, I didn't have a problem with that scene. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I watched it the other night and I completely had forgotten about the scene. And then I, I was watching it with my fiance and she goes, oh, and I was like, oh, I forgot that this scene was here. Um, but Ooh, yeah, I've mean, not been in that position, though. No, yeah, I, I, I don't take much much uh issue with it especially it's 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 ranked third out of 10 one being the most controversial uh thing number one being uh the amount of smoking in the movie which i think is a cheap shot because at the time smoking was that's what they did don't care god yeah. well, who made this list uh screen rant your biggest issue is smoke get out of here I know it says okay, they're Ghostbusters. They're fighting the paranormal. They're not going to smoke. What an absolute joke! Yeah, it says here that uh, this is supposed to be a family film, but the presence of smoking must be noted here. Uh, Cucks. Yeah, I know. No, just not not a good look from screen rant. I, I don't I don't see the big deal here. It says here that Venkman makes a menstruation comment towards the librarian. Um, oh, at the yeah, very yeah. beginning of the movie, so. probably not. You know, it's not one you'd make yourself. <laughs> he was a, no. he's a scientist. He's just he's trying to get all the facts. He's trying to ask questions. Oh, one of one of the ones on this list also says uh, that Ghostbusters is anti-regulatory and anti-environmental because of the whole EPA uh, storyline of the movie, where the agent is trying to shut them down because of their 
contamination of whatever, you know? Sure. Um, and I, you know, it's funny about that is somebody years ago, I saw somebody did like a top 10 libertarian movies of all time. And, and <laughs> Ghostbusters was on there for that reason. Um, and I'm not here to speak to, um, government regulating, um, thermonuclear reactors used for, um, hunting the paranormal, but, um, I think they had some exigent circumstances. So, uh, more power to them. Yeah. And then lastly, it says that Venkman's intro to the movie where he's doing the card trick with, with the guy and the girl side by side <laughs> about him, him coming on to a student and deliberately just going out of his way to shock the shit out of that one boy, um, just shows that he's, you know, just trying to get with the student or whatnot. And, but He's a womanizer. There's no getting around it. He's a no. womanizing. He's a womanizing paranormal scientist. There's just no getting around it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, dude, man, I forgot about that scene. Is that scene's hard to watch? You just, you just, it's so tense, like right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, and you feel bad for the guy because he's and Bill Murray or, or Peter in the movie says something like, uh, "Aren't we paying you to sit down?" He's like, "Yeah, you're paying me five dollars or something like that." To, to sit here and get shocked 40 more times, it's 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 just not worth it. So poor, poor college student just trying to make some money, but he didn't know he was going to get shocked 50 times. <laughs> no, tough scene. Tough scene. Um, in terms of what aged very well, well, actually, quickly, back to what aged poorly, the CGI, um, I didn't find overly insulting if, if that's the word you want to use uh the only parts of the cgi that i found kind of poor were the dogs the the demon dogs that kind of jump and flop around it, it it doesn't look great um but other than that i i think the cgi is fine it, it looks good for 84 i'm sure at the time people were mind boggled but uh but but as of right now Catherine, my me my fiance she said that it looked pretty decent for for the time yeah, the, the the dogs are the one glaring, uh, the outlier there. They they did not look great, but everything else, the streams and everything, it's it. I think it's okay. Um, I I that's another reason I'm excited to see Afterlife because I, I'm I'm curious to is is to you know how how well that they can uh, make they can that look on the screen. Yeah, Excuse right. Me. Again, seeing it with my mom. Uh, sitting by side by, she's such a huge Ghostbusters fan that when we were watching it and the first time they do fire a stream off, she just like chuckled to herself and was like, "Oh my god, this!" Uh, you almost wish you don't wish that the original movie was ma wasn't made until now, but you're like, man, if they could have come out the gate with the original movie with the special effects that they have now, it would have just rocked the socks off of audiences everywhere. Sure, that would have been cool. In terms of what aged the best what do you think in terms of like what makes this movie stand the test of time what makes this movie considered one of the movies that you must watch before you die even for ages of of people my age of my best friend i, I snapchatted last night and said hey i'm doing ghostbusters and he said i've never seen that and i don't know why i i need to explain to me why i need to see ghostbusters dave what would you say um i think it's a it serves as a a foundation for a lot of people in my age demographic, you know, late mid mid twenties, all the way to, you know, fifties sense of their sense of humor. Um, this is a, this was one of, you know, 
this is an iconic Bill Murray role. Um, I think I think if you if you fancy yourself a Bill Murray guy and you haven't seen it or girl, uh, then you need to because this is just quintessential Murray. Um, and then also like Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's awesome in this, and and he's a very unique guy, really into the paranormal. Um, I, you know, this this I think I think Ghostbusters came out you know kind of on the heels of the of the the, the great paranormal films of like the the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, Exorcist, movies like that, The Omen, and I think um, you you kind of you can see it in modern day film. You can see a lot of like nods to it, and a lot of references to it, and a lot of influence. And it's it's just it's just a, a well done, unique movie. Like there there was nothing out. Nobody was doing paranormal comedies back then. No, no, it was almost one of the first of its kind, especially because they there had been mo- the movies that have come before it of paranormal activity of some kind, but there was never like the comedic aspect of it. So I can definitely see uh, how that really caught people's eyes. Now I wasn't obviously around in 84. Like you said, you were born in 84, but the, but the star power here. So with Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray is, is, was Bill Murray the one that sold the ticket? If you were to put, like were Dan Aykroyd had he had had he hit his SNL like prime yet at this time or was he very early Dan Aykroyd here? Um, I think Aykroyd was out by then, um, and I think yeah, because Ay- Aykroyd was like he was a big part of those early casts, but Bill Murray was the guy, um, especially after Caddyshack. Um, I think I think he was the draw. And I don't, you know, I don't, I, Sigourney Weaver, I don't think she was, I don't know where we were in the Alien franchise at this point, but she would go on to become just a huge 80s megastar. Um, love Sigourney Weaver, by the way. Great performance. Yeah. Um, God, had such a crush on Dana Barrett forever. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, Bill Murray's putting putting butts in seats. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it says here that the, the original Alien came out in 79, so this had just been four or five years after that and aliens the sequel came out two years after ghostbusters so yeah this was this was big big deal for her for sure yes so dave um another thing that we do here when we do the run through is i run through a handful of trivia facts and uh we can kind of talk about their significance if if needed but i usually just rattle through 10 or so trivia facts about the movie that you and i may or may not have ever known so uh you ready Absolutely. All right, cool. So first off, when Lewis Tully mingles with his party guests, commenting on the price of salmon, on the price of this, on the price of that, that scene is one continuous shot, and almost every single line was improvised. I had not heard that before. That makes sense. That's a great scene. He's clearly riffing. Um, now that I'm <laughs> thinking about it. Uh, yeah, that, that's he is so Oh, Rick Moranis, dude, he's so great, underrated, underappreciated. Yep. Um, yeah, that that does not shock me. Wholeheartedly agree. the The next fact here it, it follows that up and says most of the scenes were kind of loosely scripted, uh, but mostly ad libbed as well. Most of Bill Murray's lines are ad libs as well. But I completely believe that. Um, 
if you just go back watching that, there's no way a lot of those lines, there's no way someone sat down in a writer's room and, and scripted that out. It's I'm thinking, you know, think about the scene where he's they're in the they're in the prison and they're looking at the map or the, the, the architecture of the of the apartment building. And Bill Murray's just he's just kind of riffing and singing. It's absurd. There's no that that makes all the sense in the world. And that's how a lot of those movies were back then. Um, that was that was how Caddyshack was made. Yeah, and that's how some of the most iconic lines of all time are as iconic as they are because they were not even written down. Like they were just purely just Bill Murray felt it and he said it and it stuck and boom, there you have it. Yeah. Um, says here next up that the character of Winston not only was originally supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy – but also was meant to have joined the team much earlier in the movie and would have been slimed at the hotel rather than Venkman. Um, when Eddie Murphy declined the role, the script was rewritten to have Winston appear halfway through the movie. Yeah, um, I, I, I knew that about Eddie Murphy. Um, I knew that, that they kind of rewrote the script. I, I always have found it a little odd that Winston joins so late in the movie. Um, and we don't get really any, we don't really get any background on him. And there's not a lot of character development. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, Eddie Murphy. I, I always try to think like how Eddie Murphy would have been in that role. Um, if it would have been, if there's that just too much star power, like that's Eddie Murphy, that's Eddie Murphy in the, the heyday of his his stand up and his career, um, so I, I always wonder the dynamic him and Bill Murray would have had. That would have been cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's where my mind goes. If 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 you had Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray, a would that opening weekend have been more impressive? And b would that have taken away of some of Bill Murray's more iconic and personable and just all out just greatness in the movie? If Eddie Murphy would have been in there to to follow up with something I don't know or would have made the movie better I don't know but um but if you want to talk about something to age the best uh the actor who plays Winston he looks fantastic he's been doing some promo kind of helping out some of the new stars for the new film he's been he, he was on Kimmel and, and Fallon a few days ago and man he he just looks great just fantastic yeah he he pops up from time to time and I'm always happy to see him um but he he does he's he's aged very very well. Yeah. Um it also says here that Harold Ramis only ever intended to write the movie. He decided to play Egon Spangler after he felt he is the best person suited for the role. I love that note. It takes balls to say that um and and he was already well established at this point. Um so it's not completely surprising but yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if you have any of the other people that were almost cast as Egon, and uh, but I, I can't imagine anybody else nailing that role because he's just he's just understated and and just plays it perfectly, and um, that's a fun fact. It it sure is. He's he's definitely my favorite Ghostbuster. Um, so when when he passed away a few years ago, uh, I was I was just absolutely devastated. Um, that that really hit me real hard. Um. It also says in reference to that, when he passed away, fans of the movie paid tribute to him by visiting the New York firehouse used in the exterior shots and created a makeshift memorial featuring Nestle Crunch Bars and Twinkies 
so basically they built a giant memorial for him out of candy, which is just awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I didn't know that that firehouse was still there. That's cool. Oh yeah. I have to put that on the, on the list, on the old bucket list. If I ever get oh, yeah. it that way. Oh yeah. Um, it says here also that the demonic voice of Zool and Dana were performed by the director, Ivan Reitman, um, which is which is pretty cool. Directors nowadays usually have something like that sprinkled in where they're either in the movie or they provide a voice or, or, or something, you know. Yeah, and that's that's one of the more iconic lines, too, is uh, there is no Dana, only Zool. Yep. And now you're, yep. t- you're saying that was Reitman? Yep. Didn't know that. You learn something every day. Good stuff. Good stuff. You love to see it. Um, yada yada yada. Anything good here? <laughs> the Stay Puff Mar- Marshmallow Man suits costed approximately twenty grand each. They were all there were only three of them made, and they were all destroyed while filming, so none of them remain. Um. That makes sense. Um, I thought, as far as the you know the the special effects go, they crush that. Like that that holds up. That's pretty well done. Um, and just what an incredible what an incredible scene. The writing in this, like the, you know, Dan Aykroyd. We we mentioned this earlier. Is is super super into the paranormal. I've heard him on podcasts, and he's he. This is like a this is a hobby for him. Oh yeah, he, I've um, I've listened to hours him. of him on Rogan just talking about whatever, you know, that was a good interview. Yeah. He, uh, he was, he's a good listen. If you have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of going back to what you said about almost casts, uh, Michael Keaton turned down both Peter Venkman and Egon Spangler. It also says that Peter was also originally written for John Belushi. Um, but he died, uh, as Dan Aykroyd was writing the script and also to pay tribute to John Pelushi, Belushi, uh, the ghost Slimer was often referred to as Belushi or the ghost of Belushi because of that scene of him in Animal House just eating everything in sight. Yeah, that's the reason that they had Slimer be that kind of just overeating kind of character. Yeah, that's I've heard that too. That's cool. Um, it's it's. Man, again with the uh, the what ifs, you think about how the entire dynamic changes. If I think Michael Keaton as Venkman works uh, really well because they've got similar, very dry, subtle senses of humor. Um, Belushi obviously is <laughs> was not like that, and it's it's it kind of crazy to think about how he would have uh, changed that entire in scene. But I, I'm sure he would have made it work. Yep, yep. And then lastly, unless anything else here catches my attention it says harold ramus never once in the original ghostbusters movie smiles and he made that a very intentional thing to never smile although he does smile in ghostbusters 2 a few times but he made it known to everybody that he would never smile uh playing egon spangler it's the only way to do it all business all the time okay and then lastly, I'll, I'll throw this one in there. The rooftop set the rooftop set for the final confrontation between Gozer and the Ghostbusters occupied an entire soundstage and required 50,000 amps of electricity to be properly lit. Columbia Pictures had to shut down every other stage they had while this scene was being filmed to allocate the right amount of power, which is awesome. 
it's a testament to the the producers, the directors that they were they had the budget. They were able to to get a studio to to sign off on this because it is like we said, such a unique at the time, a very unique concept. And like what? Like heads, if you're reading that and you're like a big wig in a studio, you're like people don't care about this. And to give them that much money and to to give them that power at the um, the soundstage is is just incredible. Right. Exactly. Um, is there a particular quote that stands out to you? Um, there's a lot of great conversations in Ghostbusters. There's there's a few one-liners that are pretty good, but a lot of the most known quotes are just really good uh, exchanges between characters. But is there a few quotes that kind of stand out to you as like, this is what Ghostbusters is known for? I mean, yeah, I... I I've had trouble narrowing it down, but I don't want to, uh, to, to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. Um, Rick Moranis, when he's hosting the party and he hears the growl and he gives you the classic, the who brought the dog. <laughs> that's one, that's one that like pops into my head, like on a weekly basis. Um, like anytime there's a dog barking, I think, I think of that moment. It's so good. Um, Everybody, everybody knows Bill Murray has the best lines in this. Um, it's, the guy's just an ad lib genius. Um, his entire rapport with Walter Peck, um, with the EPA guy, is is incredible. Um, when they're in the mayor's office, uh, with <laughs> the human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, incredible. Um, but very subtly one that's they always change when it's shown on uh, network television is when the mayor asks after peck goes on this rant and uh, dan Aykroyd says call says dickless here something something yeah and the mayor looks at bill murray and says is this true and he goes yes it's true this man has no dick <laughs> and that is that is it's, it's so funny and as as walter peck's getting escorted out of the mayor's office he goes oh, i'm gonna miss him it's 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 just perfect bill Bill Murray's the best, man. Um, yeah, no, he's absolutely. Kind of, uh, it's kind of chuggy to like uh, the Bill Murray uh, monster in, in 2021, but like, dude, he does it. You can't beat him in the 70s and 80s. No, not at all. Yeah, same here. The, most of the quotes I had written down are, are are Bill Murray quotes. I love the scene at the uh, at the end when the State Puff uh, first appears, and you hear him say, "We're going about this all wrong." The state puffs. Okay, he's a sailor. He's in New York. We get this guy laid. We won't have any trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. And also that scene. It, oh, Winston. Okay, yeah. When 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 Zool or uh, goes to the Gozer and asks, you know, are you a god? And then you know Ray says no. And Winston's like, someone asks if you're god, you say yes. And I I, I always like I always wonder like what. I don't. I don't know. I always. I always overthink that line, but it just. It stuck out to me. Is 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 kind of funny, and I don't know how intentionally funny it was, but um, Winston. Winston's got some good ones where he has like a very subtle where he tells the the uh, the mayor, "I've seen shit that'll turn you white," and it's it's just it's funny because he's in a room full of white guys, old white guys, um, <laughs> and that's one that I don't know if that was an intentional some racial comedy, but you know, it's one that I think about when I'm watching it. I wish I remember because I do remember at the time watching it the other night. There's a few instances where Winston makes like a slight 
like white joke or the fact that he's the only black guy in the room. And, and I go, oh, that, that's good. Um, but I, I hadn't written it down. Another one that I love that I did belt out loud laughing and I ended up waking up Catherine. Sorry about that, Bay. Um, where Dana, as the gatekeeper, says, uh, I want you inside me. And Peter says, no, nah, I can't. Sounds like you got at least two or three other people in there already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that entire scene is is fantastic. And are you you know, the uh, there is no Dana, only Zool's is one when I there's you know, that's been memed thousands of times and it always makes me laugh. Oh, yeah, I wish I, I wish I could I wish I could just go back and be a fly on the wall on set. Just that whole exchange when Peter goes to Dana's apartment. If we if we want to just like use this as a transition into some of the best scenes of the movie, that whole that whole exchange when Tina when Peter goes to Dana's apartment and she's been possessed by Zool and he just totally like no demeanor change, just, just doesn't act surprised, doesn't act horrified just the whole time as she's doing all of this weird paranormal shit. He's just stone cold. Like, Oh, okay. Like she starts floating and he's like, Oh, okay. Didn't know you can do that. Shit like that. Just, it just makes it so much better. Yeah. And another line, that just gets me and they just, I could do this all day. Uh, the, uh, when he, his acknowledgement that, uh, okay, she's a dog. Uh, <laughs> just, just classic. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he, he's got, Winston has a good one. I, I love the, as soon as they win and, and they defeat Gozer and, and Zool and, and everybody, I love this town that, that, yeah. that's a great celebration. Uh, ex- Exclamation. Um, I was glad they let Winston do that line too, because like, you know, comes in halfway through the movie, doesn't have a ton of action, doesn't have a ton of juice in the script and they close it out with them was nice. Yeah. I definitely love the initial line when he's being interviewed for the job. And she says, do you believe in this, 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 and this? And he says, ma'am, as long as it's a steady paycheck, I'll believe anything you tell me to. <laughs> that's, that, that's yeah. also good. Shout out Janine. All time great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's she's great. Um, man, the, the cast just makes this movie for what it is. Even I'm, I'm almost glad that Eddie Murphy turned the movie down because I feel like it just wouldn't have been the same. Winston ha- just has this chill, like nonchalant. Where I feel like everything Eddie Murphy would have done it would have been very intentional, and it would have kind of just taken away from the fact that most of the lines are improvised. I feel like Eddie Murphy would have just been like trying to deliver the punchline, trying to deliver the punchline and Bill Murray does that, but it's ad-libbed. So it feels natural. Uh, whereas Eddie Murphy, I feel like would have done less, less of that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he plays that role very, very well. Oh yeah. Um, and then we can go into our favorite scenes of the movie just to kind of, Pay tribute to those real quick. Um, I love that dinner scene where Lewis is is spouting off the prices and how much things cost, about how he clearly is compensating for the fact that he's alone. He has a very nice apartment. He has no girlfriend or wife or whoever. Um, but he, he feels, you know, he's five foot two. He, he feels like he has to walk around and point out how expensive everything he owns is. Let me take your coats. Just overly compensating for his his sad life. Well, and the, well, the whole thing is a, it's a tax write off. That's why he invites uh, clients instead of friends. Kind of a genius. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a genius uh, concept there. Um, yeah, that that's a great scene. But um, 
kind of an underrated one is when Dana gets back from the grocery store, goes into her kitchen, and you know when she first realizes like her her place is jacked up, something's going on, and the, the yeah. eggs the eggs popping out and frying themselves on the countertop. Um, that always that always shook me. Like as a little kid, for so, that entire scene scared me like more than anything. Oh yeah. I think so. And even the even the library scene at the beginning, like when the movie started and they're playing that ooh, like that that yeah. ominous like spooky song, I like I'm like, "Oh god, like I forgot that this movie is supposed to also be kind of spooky, like that whole library exchange with the books and the the postcards flying out. Like that's just iconic. That's it's it those are some of the best scenes as well." Yeah, the the bookcase or walking between the the bookcases and the stacked books um, is is a really well done like just from like a a movie nerd standpoint like a really well done scene with the you know library cards flying out and stuff just floating across and they're not a, they don't see it because they're ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really cool opening scene. Yeah, absolutely. There was a really good quote I love that goes with when they're walking in between. I forget what he says exactly, but when he walks past the stack books, he says something like, Peter says, like, there's no way a, a human could have done that. Uh, kind of trying to write off the fact that Dan yeah. Aykroyd's character immediately thinks that it's a ghost. But Bill's just trying to point out, like, hey, a, yeah. a, a person could have done that. No human, no human would stack books like this. <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> um. The whole end sequence with with Zool is great. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you for when you finally do get out to to catch Afterlife, but the the way that they do the villain in Afterlife is good. Um, however, uh, I think it's one of its biggest criticisms is is the villain situation in that movie. Um, but uh, just man, they 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 really do it right. I think, but but I I can see you as I almost want to compare it to like. The Force Awakens for Star Wars versus A New Hope, how like it was pretty much like the same movie, just reskinned. Uh, a lot of people are complaining that that's what Afterlife is in a couple uh, circumstances, but for the most part, um, Afterlife really does it, man. That 2016 version with the with this SNL female cast, it's not good. It, I I would avoid it at all costs. It wasn't great um, at all. It, it was in it was in fact pretty pretty damn bad i'm i'm gonna watch it just because i i need i need to see everything that the franchise does but yeah i've i've heard mixed mixed reviews and that's it's a shame if that's you know how i perceive it too because it's a great cast yeah absolutely um i think for the most part that's 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 ghostbusters man is there anything else about ghostbusters that you you want to say just man i've spent yeah like there, there's been times in the last decade where I, I've been at home and bored and I've, I've like gotten looked up like just little things like who was Vigo the Carpathian from the sequel based on um, what is Tobin's spirit guide a real thing? Um, you know, who, who is, you know, the, I, I, lo- I wanted to look and see, you know, get into the fan wiki stuff. Cause I'm like, man, that's, that's really interesting. Like the, I'm assuming Dan Aykroyd came up with these concepts um, and like, dude, anybody, you know, when he gets into the, the Babylonians and, and stuff, you're like, dude, he was fucking in this deep, man. <laughs> like this dude, this dude is fascinated by the paranormal. Like that is his life. Um, and honestly, but, 
I, I don't know if Dan Aykroyd was obsessed with the paranormal before Ghostbusters, but it did, definitely didn't help doing the two movies. Um, and now, like as, as we said earlier, with him being on Rogan, and they talked about aliens and ghosts and shit for like three and a half hours. Like, I wonder if the movies almost sent him into this, like, you know, I was writing this for comedic purposes, but I'm actually going to do more research on this. And like, maybe that's honestly why he is the way he is today. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it didn't help, but I'm 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 glad I'm I'm glad he um, was able to to get people on board. I would love to be in the meeting to see like them pitching this movie to a major studio um, <laughs> because it we've said this four times, but it's just it's absurd to think about in 1984 this this movie being made um, that combines these two genres. But it makes looking back, it makes paranormal and comedy it can work and it does. And it's probably a first of its kind, really. Yeah, I agree. I always feel like in movie in episodes like this, like a movie that's as iconic as Ghostbusters, I'm shortchanging it. Um, but um, I think we've said what we need to say. Like I've, I've done movies like Jurassic Park, which is my favorite movie of all time. And movies like Toy Story, Shawshank Redemption, you know, movies that are just iconic and you, you can only say so much about them. But as soon as we finish recording, you and I both will probably be like, damn it, forgot to mention that quote. That's that's a great quote. But I know I'm, I'm doing that right now, actually, because I I, I, I want to leave it all out there because this, this may be the last uh, Ghostbusters specific podcast I ever do. <laughs> um, hopefully not. But it's um, yeah, I, I there's so many there's so many things that um, make it great. So many characters like the mayor, the mayor's a big part of the Sopranos, not a big part, but he's Tony's lawyer in the Sopranos. Um, just little things like that. Um, Rick Moranis kind of out of, out of Hollywood right now, got punched in the face randomly a couple years ago. Not great. <laughs> yeah, I remember like that. that. Don't punch Rick Moranis if you're out there. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I really, I really enjoyed the sequel. Um, the more, I, the more I think about it, like I, I really did enjoy what they did with it because, you know, turning, making Rick Moranis goes to night school, gets his law degree that entire scene, the opening scene in that, whether, you know, in front of a judge, the Scolari brothers, all that. Yeah. Here I am trying to make this a second podcast on your uh, Ghostbusters podcast, but yeah, no, if you haven't seen it, go watch, them. go watch them. I cannot, you, you will see how much they have influenced modern comedy um, just by watching this first movie. Absolutely. Um, and when, when, when I originally emailed you and asked you what movies you want to do the, the movies you listed were all fantastic but when you said ghostbusters i was like oh man we got to do ghostbusters like I, I and plus it just fits because the new movie just, just come out just a month ago um so it's just it just works and um matt and i and tanner and i and and all of us and and everybody we just really appreciate that you took the time to talk about ghostbusters with us man it's uh it's a real treat i'll say that it's just a real treat yeah Thank you for having me on. Thank you for for thinking of me. And yeah, if you ever uh, you need another guest to to come on and talk Ghostbusters two or anything else, man, let me know. Hopefully, I'll I'll, I'll get back to your emails uh, quicker. Apologies for that. It's been, <laughs> no, been, it's a busy, good, man. been a busy five weeks. No, I I understand. I uh, yeah, I, I definitely understand. Me, my fiance is also a backer. Um, and I was, and I was telling her when I, we initially started exchanging emails, I was like, I was like, I'm emailing back and forth with Dave. And she was like, how's that going? And I'm like, well, it's going, 
uh, it's, it's taking its time, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be patient. I've, I've been listening to you guys for years and, uh, I'm not going to screw it up by being like, Hey Dave, why don't you reply to your emails faster? But yeah, uh, you guys are busy, man. You guys are, you guys are out here doing your thing. I'm out here doing my thing. It's, it's life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. The key is persistence and, uh, you know, I, I, this, this was fun. The binge, the binge boys. I've got a good logo. Is that logo? With the pyramid, is that Ghostbusters inspired? Because it's it, it's giving me major uh, Zool or uh, Gozer coming through the portal vibes. That's what this was, Dave. Was us just summoning uh, Zool through the through the portal? No, it's actually uh, Ricky Prosper done uh, from the of course. You know, washed fame. Rick, Rick, ever since you guys started pumping out that you guys work with Ricky, I I immediately interviewed him on a podcast I used to do, and then he jumped on board uh, the past past month we did a big rebrand and new logo new graphics and everything and ricky was integral to that whole process so big shouts to ricky he's the he's the man he is i was i was texting with him last night for help on a i needed him to meet make me a meme and he got it to me in like two minutes so shout out to ricky oh yeah um dave before i let you go do you want to plug yourself do you want to plug wash your pods anything you're doing now's your uh now's your space check out washed media my podcasts are circling back too much dip is our sports vehicle. I don't even try to explain circling back. It's just the unexplainable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check us out. we got club cool Barrett's in there right now doing the Sunday scaries pod with will DeFreeze. We've got the mail in pod. Got listen. we got the brunch podcast there. If you're into the movie stuff, the brunch podcast, those guys are fucking movie buffs, yeah. man. Their tomato fights thing is awesome. Um, so yeah, man, check, check us out. Give us a chance to earn your business. Absolutely. Guys, I'll throw Washed in the description of the episodes so you can hop over and see what they've got going on. They've, they're have they a huge inspiration for what the Binge Boys and just my content journey has been in general. So um, take it from me uh, that you'll, you'll want to click that link in the description. Um, Dave, thanks again. And everybody, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.